Hello beasties. Welcome to Going On 50, the vanity podcast by me, Kim Boo York, about growing up and growing old in this here life. I'm an author, a librarian, bibliophile, and creativity coach who lives in the small southern city of Tallahassee. Join me now as I delve into various topics that catch my interest and hopefully yours as well. Welcome back to Going On 50. It's been over a year since I last did one of these podcasts. Uh, feels kind of weird to even say that, considering that when I started out, I wanted to do these maybe not weekly, but at least a couple of times a month. But it's been a hell of a year. I ended up having not quite a full breakdown, not like the catastrophe of 2007-2008, but I put a hold on a lot of projects that I had going at the time. Writing projects, this podcast, um, still showed up for work. Hopefully I'm doing a good job at work, but even uh, extracurricular things that I was interested in, pretty much everything stalled. I wasn't in a depression. I mean, I'm pretty familiar with depression, so I know when I'm in a depression and that was not the case a year ago. But it was a time of realizing that many of the issues I had been in therapy about were a little bit more profound and deep-seated than I had hoped they were at the time, and the effects that they had on the goals that I set for myself were profound. So it was a year of minor breakdowns, uh, a few breakouts. I'm hoping that it's now the dawn of a new era. We're going into May. We just finished finals week at FSU, so that's how I tell time these days by the academic calendar. It's not quite the same as when I was in my master's program, but there's a lot of overlap there. More importantly, I am officially in perimenopause. This is day 80 as the day uh, as I'm recording this of me not getting my period. So basically my body is telling me that the gig is up, things are going to be screwy from here on out until I reach that magic mark of 365 days without a period at which point I will have officially entered menopause. Really looking forward to it, not saying that sarcastically. I've been bleeding on a monthly basis since I was 12 years old. I'm really looking forward to not doing that anymore. I am pretty fortunate so far. My perimenopause has been uh, not very terrible. I've had a few hot flashes. There's some cramps going on here and there. Um, Of course, my hormones are changing, you know, underneath, deep under the skin. Everything's uh, adjusting itself a little bit. And I'm sure, you know, body composition's going to change. I can tell my skin's already getting more fragile looking. My grandmother, my paternal grandmother, had very crepey skin, like crepe paper. It was beautiful on her. She was very fair skinned, uh, very, very pretty skinned. She, I don't know how she managed to take care of it, but she did. And so it looks like I'm going in that direction, which I'm not too upset about. Having beautiful elderly skin like that is not necessarily a goal, but it's certainly an advantage I'll happy to have as I move into my 50s. 
So the downside of that is I don't have a lot of idea what's going on with my body. Um, you know, some days I feel like I'm PMSing, some days I don't. You know, there's a weekend where I'm just spent angry and frustrated, which is my typical PMS kind of m mindset. But nothing happens. So, you know, I'm glad nothing's happening. But uh, obviously something's happening. And so we're just going to take it as it goes. This is the price of going on 50, after all. And I'm really trying to parse out what that means for me. A friend of mine recently talked about, you know, oh, you, you're always talking about going on 50 like you're dying or something. And that is not true in the sense of I don't feel like I'm dying. And I don't think I'm going to be dead at 50. My mother died at 52. She had colon cancer and it was terrible, as you can expect. And she did die young, although not for her family. Um, that wasn't uncommon for them not to live to 60. Although several family members uh, on the Cook side have uh, proven that a lie at this point. So we're really happy to hear that, everybody. Stay healthy and well, family. But I do expect to live much longer than that. I take better care of myself than my mother did. I have better health care than she did. And I'm a little bit more proactive about medical checkups, which I'm sure y'all are thrilled to hear. But to me, the importance of going on 50 is that culturally, as well as personally, it's a major milestone. There's a scene in Some Like It Hot where um, Marilyn Monroe's character talks about turning 25. And she says, that's a quarter of a century, makes a girl think, you know. And I kind of feel that way about 50. It's half a century, and it does make me think. It makes me think about the life I've led, the life I uh, wanted to live but did not achieve, and the goals that I've set for myself, or actually the lack of goals I ever set for myself, which is uh, one of the primary issues I'm dealing with now. In our society, when women get to this age, we have a lot of fears that we're gifted with. The fear of growing old is the fear for women of becoming unattractive, unwanted, and invisible. Those are rare, real fears for us that we have no control over. I cannot control how someone sees me or does not see me. I cannot control whether somebody thinks I'm pretty or attractive or, or they're uh, repulsed by my now crepey, wrinkly skin. These are things that, as women, we've been taught we should have control over, though, with makeup and, you know, wearing corsets. These days it's spanks or wearing, you know, pretty outfits and highlighting our features and downplaying our problem areas and being thin as opposed to we're just these are things that we were told we were in many various ways that are aspects we should be able to control and then by controlling them we can control how we are seen in society growing old puts the lie to that even if we believed it as young women when we hit near 50 like I am now or the women I know who are over 50, we confront the fact that we really don't have any control over it. We know women who got the Botox treatments or got the facelifts or got the boob lifts, and those women are no more socially acceptable 
being old than the ones who didn't. Because being old in our society, being an old woman, means being a witch, means being a hag, means being a crone. And those are all negative terms in how people view us. The evil witch in the woods scaring children because of how we look. That's how it's supposed to go. Part of those fears are also internal, you know. Our society views growing old and the accompanying physical deterioration with genuine horror. You can't move around the way you could. You couldn't. You can't lift the things you could. You can't wear the clothes that you used to wear. And you need more medication. The illnesses of age are feared. And some righteously so. I I really, really would like to avoid senility or Alzheimer's myself. Cancer, of course, is hitting a lot of my peers in various levels and degrees. And that's a real fear as well, as it becomes more common the older you get. Blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease. Those are things to be concerned about. But in general, too, we're just taught that being old sucks, right? I mean, it's just supposed to be terrible. You're not young anymore. You can't do the things you did when you were young. And isn't that just completely terrible? So we stigmatize aging and we are scared of people who are old and we are scared of growing old ourselves. So for me, this podcast isn't about, oh, I'm old and soon I'll be dead. To me, I want it to be a celebration of getting older, of becoming hopefully wiser in my elder years, and having learned from my mistakes, coming into a new chapter or a new act or a new arc in my storyline that will be maybe even richer and more fulfilling for me than the previous 50 years have been. And so, perimenopause is very representative of all of that for me. It's a body change. It's an impressive body change. We, in our society, we do not look at it the same way that we do adolescence or puberty. We don't look at menopause with the same awe or even the same romance. I mean, most young adult literature out there is about romanticizing either with actual romance or adventure stories or dystopian novels of heroics. We romanticize the growing up aspect of coming through puberty, going from being a child to becoming an adult. Young adult literature is based on that whole perspective of the changes being wrought on the body and the mind being profound. But we don't see the onset of menopause in quite the same terms. It's not dramatic. It's not heroic. It's not something to write home about. It's something that we've been taught is almost shameful. A lot of women don't like talking about menopause or perimenopause. When they do, they talk about it very derogatorily because we've been taught that it's awful. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. And 
we shouldn't look forward to it and we should be afraid of it and we should live in misery as we work our way through it. Those are not the messages we give young kids when they're starting to get into their teenage years. We joke about the teen years being painful. We joke about uh, teenagers being all heart and no mind, um, being led by their hormones or being thinking with the parts of their bodies not contained in their skull, but always with sort of a tongue-in-cheek awareness that we all go through those awkward stages, that we all go through those moments of self-awareness that come from having made mistakes or making a fool out of ourselves, taking the risks that we associate kids and teenagers with taking, that brashness, the, the bravery that we often count on in some historical arcs where, you know, it's the kids who are leading the charge. Certainly we're seeing that in politics in America today. And uh, that's impressive. That's amazing. Why don't we expect the same thing from women going into menopause? Instead, we see menopause as the breaking of women, of women not working the way we're supposed to. We don't view it as a profound change of women coming into a stage in their lives where their powers are different than they used to be, where their understanding of life and relationships has changed, not just through experience uh, and life lived, but because our brains are different, our hormones are different, estrogen changes, testosterone changes, These things impact us in many, many ways, not just by how we feel, how we digest, how we react to stimuli. Such a profound change. But because the message, the story of menopause is that's when women don't work properly anymore, we don't understand how powerful it can be for a woman to go through this change, come out the other side, and have a different perspective about life. We don't expect a 14-year-old to have the same perspective of life as a 10-year-old. We don't expect an 18-year-old to have the same perspective of life as a 14-year-old. So it perplexes me that women are supposed to go through this amazing, bone-deep, blood-deep change in our bodies and that is not respected as a powerful change in who we are and what we can contribute to society. A woman who's 55 is going to look at the world differently than when she was at 45, which is true even without menopause. Uh, We look at things differently as we change and get older, but menopause really affects the chemicals in our brains. It just doesn't get any more basic than that. Who we are is how our brains work. And whether we are dealing with issues like illnesses or mental illnesses or just chain life changes such as menopause, those things are going to impact how we view the world and how we deal with people around us. And I want to celebrate that. I want... Uh, going on 50 to be about becoming an elder in our society as opposed to becoming 
an outcast, a broken woman, something that's not functioning properly. All these old messages of the, the old world that don't serve women and don't serve society at all. I would like to change the myths of menopause. Menopause is essentially puberty in reverse to a certain extent. There's swings in mood, tension, function. We get stressed out. And so the myths that we bring up around this are you know, things aren't functioning the way they used to. And I'm so different now. And, and I just get angry so easily. And all that's true. But let's change the myth. Let's, let's retell that story as power. Let's view it in a positive light. In the same way we view children growing up as a positive thing, despite the bumps and the trials and the tribulations. And believe me, I have lots of friends who have teenagers in the house. I know just how stressful and traumatic and dramatic that can be for a family. But in the end, you want your child to grow up. You want that teenager to experience the things that will turn them into a healthy, well-adjusted, happy adult. So let's turn that wheel a little bit further along and have those same wishes and desires for women who are going through the great change. How we are in menopause now, or in my case, perimenopause, we're approaching that time, and value those experiences above and beyond the physical changes. Yes, you can say women lose their looks as they get old, Certainly what was I was taught as a child in the 70s, you know, women over 30 were losing their looks. Instead of valuing that as an issue, let's say they're changing their looks. Think of, again, think of how we address children becoming teenagers. We say young ladies growing into themselves, boys becoming men. Uh, that's all very gendered, and, and I'm just using those terms because they're familiar to most everybody. But the point is, we appreciate the physical changes that people go through as they grow up and become adults. I personally find people who are in their late 20s into their 30s way more attractive than I find people who are in their late teens, early 20s. There's a lot of popular actors these days, always has been, I suppose, who are in their 20s, early 20s, or look like they're in their early 20s. I, I don't begrudge anybody falling head over heels and, and fangirling over those truly handsome men, but I wait. I wait for them to grow up a little bit, get a few gray hairs along that hairline, and that's when I start really appreciating them as grown-up men who are attractive. When they're younger, I can appreciate aesthetically how pretty they are, but yeah, I like a grown man. And I feel the same way about women. Young women can be absolutely beautiful, breathtakingly so, but are they, are they just that attractive until they get some years under their belt, until they've got that womanly figure, however that may be defined by them or me, and uh, you know, even a few gray hairs in there too. I'm all about it. I think people are amazing when they mature. And I would like to see us as a society pull that kind of idea even further along. We do it with men, silver foxes, you know, men in their 50s, in their 60s, in their 70s, playing leading roles 
uh, in movies with much younger women playing their love interests. And yeah, okay, I was never going to argue with uh, some of Sean Connery's later roles because, well, Sean Connery, but I didn't even like him as James Bond, but that's me. Okay, like I said, you know, I like him a little bit uh, with a little bit salt and pepper going on there. But anyway, point being, we need to look at women in the same light there of their experience, their wisdom, their physical changes as representations of their power. And that's what it really boils down to with the attraction to older men uh, that people talk about. It's that those are supposedly very experienced men, um, both socially and, and sexually and, you know, probably wealthy because they've been around longer and can you know, make more money. Those are all the myths. I'm not saying that's true, certainly, about every older man or person or anyone. I mean, I'm older. I'm certainly, definitely not any of those things. But the point being is we view that with a certain standard of elevating them to the highest levels of admiration. The silver fox. I'm all about it. Love me some silver foxes. But let's see how that would work when it's applied to women. That's what I'd really love to see happen in our society. It's happening a little bit. I mean, you see with the admiration people have for, say, Helen Mirren, that you know, she's truly badass. You just, you, you can't deny that. She's been badass since she was a young woman. She's badass now. Um, we're seeing actresses like Emma Thompson pushing that, you know, saying, hey, look at women as how we really are as we age, accept that fact and, and, and learn to rejoice in it. And I just love that. I want to be a part of that. I want to encourage that and see more of that happen. To that end, as a writer, now that I'm coming out of this year of breakdowns and breakouts, I'm thinking about writing a coming of middle-aged story. We all know the coming of age story, the, the classic young adult novel of the teenaged person coming into their own power and self-awareness and self-identity through trials and tribulations of all sorts. I would like to do something similar for middle-aged women. I'm not sure it would be paranormal, like would it be involving magic? Would it would it be, you know, the Harry Potter for 55-year-olds? Possibly. I don't know. I haven't given it enough thought to think of characters or plots, but I'm planning on it. I want the coming of middle-aged story to be empowering and fun and to draw people into the magic of that kind of change in life. There's certainly enough stories about middle-aged people suffering, you know, middle-aged crisis and women dealing with feeling old and unloved and unwanted. And I'm not trying to put any of those books down. Some of them are really well-written and amazing stories. But I want to see the empowering stories. I want to see the stories where the women's change as they go into menopause and through menopause and come out the other side to be uplifting stories. I'm going to have to work on that, I guess. Figure out a character and a plot. Move ahead. 
So thank you for listening if you've listened all the way. Again, this is a vanity project. I really don't expect anybody to be anxiously awaiting the next update. Hopefully the next update will happen in less than a year. I will work on that, if nothing else. I will continue to address some of the topics that friends of mine have suggested over time, and we'll just go from there. But I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye.